Number one, put God first. Put God first in everything you do. Everything that you think you see in me, everything that I've accomplished, everything that you think I have, and I have a few things, everything that I have is by the grace of God. Understand that. It's a gift. 40 years ago, March 27th, 1975, it was 40 years ago, uh, just this past March, I was flunking out of college. I had a 1.7 grade point average. I hope none of you can relate. <laughs> At a 1.7 grade point average, I was sitting in my mother's beauty shop. They still call it beauty shop now? What do they call it? Yeah, I was sitting in the beauty parlor. I was sitting in my mother's beauty parlor, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I see behind me this woman under the dryer. And every time she looked up, she, every time I looked up, she was looking at me, just looking me in the eye. And I didn't know who she was, and I said, you know, she said, somebody give me a pen. Give me a pencil. I have a prophecy. March 27, 1975, she said, boy, you are going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. Now, mind you, I was flunked out of college. I'm thinking about joining the army. I didn't know what I was going to do, and she's telling me I'm going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. Well, I have traveled the world, and I have spoke to millions of people. But that's not the most important thing, the success that I had. The most important thing is that what she taught me and what she told me that day has stayed with me since. I've been protected. I've been directed. I've been corrected. I've kept God in my life and has kept me humble. I didn't always stick with him, but he always stuck with me. So stick with him in everything you do. If you think you want to do what you think I've done, then do what I've done and stick with God. Preach. I mean, I've been saying it for years, but Denzel said it, so you should probably do it. Uh, put God first. Well, hey, I wanted to give some of my own advice to the graduates today and, uh, and really to all of us. And so um, given that it's graduation Sunday, uh, I went to the place. That's nice. We've needed that, you know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so I went to the place that's full of great ideas and life-changing advice, the internet. And uh, the, it's, that's, I know, I'm being sarcastic, uh, if you haven't noticed. Uh, these are called life hacks, by the way, um, because if you can't beat life, shortcuts will at least make it more manageable, okay? So here's just a few that I found that I really enjoy. Here's, here's, here's one I think you'll like. Uh, life hack. Are we frozen? That's Okay. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Don't throw out your old baby heads. You can turn them into handy nightlights for your kids. I'm, I'm not sleeping a wink. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to sleep. You're, Mom, Dad, I need to sleep in your bed. All right, what about this one? Tired of boiling water every time you make pasta? Boil a few gallons at the beginning of the week and freeze it for later. I love time-saving techniques. You know, they say food prep, right? So there you go. Yeah. So you don't get it. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> what about this? For, for those of you health eaters out there, pro tip, if you stir coconut oil into your kale, it makes it easier to scrape into the trash. Oh, just for my own amusement. I, I love you health food folks. Like, I just wish I could love kale. 
um, as much as I love all of you. Uh, what about this? Uh, if your car is making an unsettling noise, just turn up the radio until it disappears, right? Some of you have done it. I, you have done it. And, uh, or you just take a little electrical tape, put it right on that check engine light. We'll deal with it later, you know. Procrastination at its finest. What about this? And somebody actually came up with this. Uh, if you put your wipers up, parking inspectors are unable to give you a ticket. Beat the system, right? Beat the system if you can. I just got to throw this one out there. Just, this is... <laughs> Add a touch of magic to your cold by putting glitter in your mouth before you sneeze. <laughs> also, a fun way to make friends in a post-COVID world, right? Like, you know, like, wow, wasn't that magical and disgusting? <laughs> and I know somebody's going to try this next one for all of your outdoor barbecues and uh, campfires. Like, all, we've been doing it wrong the whole time. Like, you can do literally 15 at once, and, uh, and there you have it, so... Don't say I didn't give you any good advice, all right? <laughs> well, as we conclude our First John series today, the truth that we have really been immersing ourselves in runs far deeper than quick fixes, tips, tricks, or shortcuts for making life easier. First John and the scriptures as a whole provide us a window into the life that we were meant for. This book and really this letter that we've been unpacking contains uh, in it, and really, uh, I should say, provides us a window into the life that we were meant to. It contains the eternal truth that transcends, think about this, time, space, continents, people groups, and places. And the words in these pages really invite us into the life that is truly life. And so I want to read the words that we started this letter with, the very beginning of this letter, and then we're going to dive in uh, to it a little bit more here as we conclude the series. Here's what John says to, uh, to his listeners and to all of us. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And so you can just see just the, the mystery and really just the profound um, just joy in John writing these words to us and placing them before us to say, Wow, we have seen this, we have grasped this, and we want you to also take hold of it because to take hold of Jesus is to take hold of life. It really all comes back to him. And if we could stop chasing tips, tricks, self-help, and instead start chasing Jesus, it could make all the difference. Here's what Dallas Willard had to say a while ago. He said, I think that we have to finally say that Jesus' enduring relevance is based on his historically proven ability to speak to, to heal, and empower the individual human condition. He matters because of what he brought and what he still brings to ordinary human beings living their ordinary lives and coping daily with their surroundings. He promises wholeness for their lives. In sharing weakness, he gives us strength and imparts through his companionship a life that has the quality of eternity. And so it really all comes back to Jesus. What if rather than chasing tips and techniques, we rather put all of that energy into chasing Jesus? 
And at the beginning of this series, we talked about this word that was used over and over again throughout this letter, and that's the word know. And it really comes down to this idea of knowing Jesus. And what I want to give you today are really the outgrowth of knowing Jesus. And so as opposed to just some tips that I want you to try to, uh, to follow, I really see that and I really believe that the more that we root ourselves in Jesus, the more that these unnatural things will come more naturally. And so they're going to seem pretty straightforward. And the great thing about John is if you read his letter, and some of you have been following along, especially in this last section, I mean, John is full of one-liners. He's got, I mean, just in this last, I was given chapter five to do, and I only took like five verses out of it. And even in that, there's like, it could be a 10-point message of just one-liners as John really just pours out this truth that comes from God. But again, let's just step in here to these things that I believe that John dares us uh, to continue to step into in pursuit of Jesus. And much of this we've covered already, but in some ways this is going to be just a great summary, a great reminder for all of us. Because here's the deal. Uh, maybe you've heard a billion messages like the kind of message you're going to hear today. Maybe you've heard these truths, and some of it might even feel predictable to you. But here's the deal. Until we actually take and put these things into practice, until we actually take hold of the truth and let it embed itself so deeply that it becomes who we are and what we chase after, um, we're never going to fully embrace the life that is truly life. And so here's some of what John tells us um, that we need to take note of today. The first thing is this, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 5, he says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Sit with that for just a second. This, this is an incredibly, incredible and powerful idea that when we trust in Jesus, that we are actually born of God, that we're born into this union with God, that it is this personal, relational dynamic that takes hold. And in some ways, it's just this just profound mystery. It's tough for us to really wrap our minds around, like, how can I actually have communion with, union with the living God? Yet this is exactly what John is speaking of. And by the way, this is, uh, this is to say that, that uh, true trust, by the way, is not just saying that Jesus is the Messiah. It's not just a belief that Jesus is the Messiah. It's a belief that he is my Messiah. It's a choice to, in an ongoing and consistent way, continue to, to, to buy my lifestyle and buy the decisions that I make, uh, live and proclaim that Jesus is not just the Messiah, he is my Messiah. And so we have to, at some point in our lives, take that jump, take that leap. It's a large and important leap from generically trusting Jesus and personally trusting Jesus day in and day out and saying, He is my Messiah. We must take this leap, leaning more and more into Jesus. Catholic writer Edward Hayes says this, he says, It's not by some mystical vision, some sudden enlightened burst of enthralling energy, that we find the source of living joyfully. It is rather by living day by day our common, ordinary life, trusting in and conscious of God's intimate union with us, that we find undying source, the undying source of happiness. Yet no other thought could be more audacious, so religiously bizarre, than to actually allow our thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors to flow from the belief that God and you are one. That those who trust in Jesus are one with God, that they have been born of God, to be born again. 
as John captures the words of Jesus quite succinctly when Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And this isn't just a a once upon a time kind of thing. This is over and over again in our lives that we walk into and step into this story as we trust God relentlessly. And it can be easy when everything's going well, but what about when things get tough? What about when our perspective is challenged? What about when life throws things at us that we didn't expect or didn't want? Then the advice of Jesus is even harder, but more important and more pressing to sometimes lean into. Don't let your hearts be troubled, but simply trust in God. Trust also in me. So we trust relentlessly. We also love deeply. In 5b, it says, everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. Not just his, his child, Jesus, but all of his children. And so one of the things, and we've talked about this before many times, but the thing that should mark the church, even though it doesn't always mark the church, is the way that we love each other. People should be on the outside looking, man, they just love each other in a different kind of way. Rather than bickering or fighting or all of these things, and not to say we don't disagree on things, but we should, by the way that we sacrifice and show up for one another, we should put our money where our mouth is, and we should love one another deeply. And that love should overflow into the community around us and into the people around us. And so here we see two aspects of this love being fulfilled in us and living in us, that we love God and that we also love those that are born of God. We are a people marked by love, and our love extends to the world around us as his does. Jesus um, says in John, um, for God so loved the world that he did not for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, right? We, we look, for God so loved the world that he gave that he gave of himself. And this kind of love, this sacrificial kind of love, it's unnatural love. And it comes naturally the more that we live in love. In 1 John 4, 4, 16, it says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. The fun part about writing this message this week is I just had like a ton of just access stories that I could share of ways that you guys are already leaning into and stepping into these things and living out of this relationship with Jesus. And this is really something that's one of our core three values, and it's always been at the core of who we are, and that is expressing the love of God to those around us. And it's really why we've started certain things that we've started, including Kala Coffee House. And one of the things that we tell our staff all the time is that uh, we want to uh, pour into and fill people's cups in more ways than one. And we've seen that happen time and time again. But one of the things we've continued to say is we want that to not just be, you know, we want, that's all of our coffee shop, right? And this is an opportunity for us to not just fill people up with coffee and caffeine, although that's a really important way to love people, uh, especially on a Monday, right? But we want to pour in, into them and fill them in more ways than one. This past week, we had a, an opportunity to do something uh, special here in, in collaboration with Axis and Kala, and we gave the opportunity, like, I mean, talk about one way to love a parent right now that has kids at home already on summer vacation, and like day one, their kids are already bored, right? We're like, we'll take your kids for a little while. And so we had this great event our kids team worked on, and this whole place looked like going out of this world, like it was like 
space camp, you know, and so these, all these kids showed up to space camp, and it was just awesome. Our leaders poured into the kids. We had over like 50 kids sign up for this thing, and half of those kids don't even go to Axis Church. It was just a way for us to, to through Kala, invite some kids uh, in our community, and kids we know into, um, into, into Kala and into Axis, but one of the cool things that happened was a lot of folks were dropping off their kids. They were hanging out out here having coffee, and a lot of our, uh, our moms and a lot of uh, our parents were just naturally out there connecting with folks that were sitting outside and just demonstrating hospitality and loving on them. Our staff was just completely swamped that day, right, Um, just trying to keep up with everything. But the beautiful outcome of that is we got to do what we continue to set out to do and just show the world that God loves them. And we're going to continue to do those kinds of things because when we live in Jesus and when we know God, We are called to love deeply. The other thing we're called to do is to walk faithfully. And again, this is when you really think about what comes most natural to us. It's not faithfulness. Yet, by the power of God, we continue to walk in faithfulness and and lean into him in that way. It says this as we read on. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. So, We've talked about this, but love is more than just this warm, fuzzy feeling that we get, right, when we come together and sing worship songs, and it's so much more than that, right? It's this ongoing fidelity to God. Barna points out that while most Americans consider themselves to be Christian and say they know the Bible, less than one in ten Americans demonstrate knowledge through their actions. And this is not meant to be a statement of judgment, rather a call beyond casual cultural Christianity into one that's marked by faithfulness and action. Why? Because this is where true life is found. This is where true victory is found. It's in putting these things into practice. Eugene Patterson uh, referred to discipleship to Jesus as long obedience. It's just these steps of obedience, this daily obedience, uh, day in and day out. God does not call us to obedience because he wants to keep things from us, but because he wants the best for us. And in just a minute, it's gonna, there's going to be a line about how it's not, it's not burdensome, right? The things of God are not burdensome. They're hard, but they're not burdensome. They allow us to walk in freedom. And interestingly, the very last thing kind of seems random. The very last line in this letter is this, dear children, keep yourself from idols. Like, it's like a really interesting thing to like wrap up with, right? It's just, hey, and by the way, keep yourself from idols. But it's not a by the way. Why? Because he knows, John understands that if we don't do this, it's going to sabotage everything. If we, if we don't keep ourselves from idols, it's going to sabotage everything else that he said. Why? Because what does he mean when he says idols? He doesn't mean that we build, construct some figure in our living room that we bow down and worship or anything like that, some graven image, right? Although definitely at least means that, right? What he's saying here is we, we don't put anything before God because anything that we put before God will, um, will ultimately rob us of the life that God intends for us. And so he says, listen, don't chase after that stuff. It doesn't truly satisfied. Now, I drove all around town this morning, wasting too much time trying to make this next illustration. So uh, just hopefully enjoy it. But I, uh, this past week, we've had boys playing baseball. And uh, we, you know, every, every night at the ball field, it's like they, they need to have the, the baseball gum is what we call it. You know, this is the baseball gum. I don't know of any other setting where, like, this is necessary, right? But, like, this is baseball gum. And, like, you know, I 
it's actually, I can smell it from right here. Like, I think when I open that, like, you, it's just a, it's such a wonderful smell. It's like the smell of, like, pure sugar in the air. It's just like, mmm, like, you just take it in. And I, you know, I, it's so, like, well packaged, and it's like, man, isn't that, like, look enticing? Like, you're just like, it's so, like, alluring. And one of the moms had, like, a big, like, even bigger bucket than this, and, like, Eli's all about it. That dude's like one piece after another, and all of a sudden he's got like 18 pieces in his pocket, and he's like pulling them out for me later. And I'm like, dude, you need to chill out. First of all, you don't need any more sugar. But one of the moms the other day was like, hey, do you want some gum? And I like kind of felt silly because this feels like such a thing a kid would eat, right? Like, but I'm like, yeah, give me some gum. You know, it's the baseball gum, and I'm out doing the coach pitch, so I need to, you know, get fueled up. And so I took a piece of the gum, and you know. I'm falling for this stuff over and over again, you know? Like, because you take it, you eat it, and it's like the most glorious 30 seconds. Like, it is, it is so good for 30 seconds. Like, oh, man, that is so delicious and so tasty. But then in a, it starts to turn, you know? And now, to be fair, it might last a little bit longer than that. But, like, it starts to turn. And before you know it, it's like this chewy styrofoam, and you, like, pull out every filling in your teeth. And it's just like it turns on you really fast I'm telling you and so I got out there inning one I'm chewing on this stuff and I'm like oh man like where's the trash can you know so then but then I'm like all of a sudden I'm like I know I need three pieces this time right like it'll last longer so you go back and you grab like three I got this big wad of it and now I'm like you know this big old chaw going on and uh but anyway then it doesn't work you just got more of a mouthful of of you know but anyway um so uh Anything the world offers, this is the point I was going to make, anything the world offers is double bubble at best. Like it is. I mean, it's just, it, it might seem alluring and satisfying, and we've all tried all the things, right? Whether it be success or whether it be any of the things the world tells you is going to satisfy you, it might temporarily, it might for a few moments, it might for a few months, it might for a few years, right? But in time, that wears off. And when we see what God offers us instead, it goes far beyond that. It has an eternal glory to it. So, um, so I want you to, every time you chew this now, think of that line, um, keep yourself from idols, all right? And there's actually nothing actually sinful about this gum. Watch out. So, okay, you got to be ready. You see what's happening here. So I can't eat all this, you know? So tell me how long it, like, actually lasts. Duck if you don't want any. Um, but there you go. Sorry to belabor that, but there you go. So we have to continue to um, continue to walk faithfully because of what God wants for us. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so we have to continue to stay focused on the good that God has for us and not give ourselves over to these things that aren't going to truly satisfy us. Which naturally flows into the next idea, which is this. He says, live victoriously. 1 John 5, 4-5 says, And his commands, again, are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that... Uh, that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so there's really two aspects of this victory here. There's this initial victory, right, that we receive. And as I look around the room today, I could tell you as we trust in Jesus that you are an overcomer, right? 
that Mandisa song just keeps popping in my head. I'm not going to do it, but you know what I'm talking about, that song, you know. Um, if not, I totally apologize for the ADD moment. But, okay, we're back. Uh, but in one sense, there's this sense in which you are an overcomer. You have overcome. And there's an additional sense in which we have to continue to live into and lean into that victory that has been granted us. We had um, the end of our soccer season a few weeks ago, and um, Jude was so pumped because, like, at the end of the game, and he's kind of holding his neck because he got injured that day, like, actually not in soccer, but on a hoverboard because we loaded him onto a hoverboard three times, uh, our brothers, and uh, the third time didn't go so well. But anyway... I digress. We got up to the soccer field. He couldn't get out there and play, but he's like, he showed up. He got his medal. He, they put it on him, you know, and he, all day, he's holding his neck, and he's got his medal. He's just walking around, and he would go around, like, all week, he was wearing this thing. He's going around telling people, hey, I got a medal. I got a medal, you know. I got a medal. He's so excited about the medal. Like, he was, he was pumped about it. And generally, I'm not, you know, I was thinking, I'm like, we're not really like for participation trophies. Like this is a, but, but when you think about what we have actually, the victory that we have actually been given, we, we didn't earn that, right? We didn't earn that victory. That victory is one that's just like, hey, here, you just keep showing up and keep walking in victory. I've already done the hard work for you. And this is a victory that we receive that has been granted to us, not because of anything that we've done on the so-called fields. And Paul is aware of this. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was, with, was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. And so he's not saying don't work at it, don't chase after it, don't lean into it and run after it. He's saying that's not where the victory comes from. The victory has already been granted. You just got to wear the medal. Just continue to live in that victory. And so we live victoriously. We dare greatly. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And I write these things to you uh, who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Why does he give them that? He gives them that so that they can live confidently, so that they can live fearlessly to say, listen, you're children of God. You have life in his name, and so go take hold of life. Go live fully. Nothing frees us more than knowing that we will live forever, not by our power, but by his power. And so it is the gospel testimony that beckons us to defy our propensity towards self-preservation and comfort and pursue with childlike abandon the things God is calling us to. And I know there's that voice that's inside of all of us that tells us, play it safe, don't take the risk, it's not worth what you're going to have to give up, sit this one out. If you guys watch kids' movies, um, in Luca, there's a guy that they refer to him as Bruno, and he's kind of the voice in the head, and he's like, he says, no, you just got to say silencio Bruno, you know, and then just tell Bruno to shove it, you know, because he, that's the voice that's trying to hold you back, whatever. Or as I heard a mom tell her kid the other day at King's Island, after she strapped him into the, uh, her, this little, her little daughter into like the baby, the little kid's drop zone. The girl, little girl was like terrified. She's like got tears. And mom's like straps her in and kind of walks away, walks the other side of the fence and just goes, find your brave. Find your brave. And I'm like, this girl's like terrified. I'm like, you might want to get her off of there. You know, I don't know if she's going to find her brave. You know, might, she might be traumatized. But um, I liked that line, like this idea of finding our brave. 
In his book, Prayer is a Hunger, Edward Farrell lists amnesia, inertia, and minyana as the three greatest obstacles to trust. Minyana means tomorrow, by the way. Um, he writes, we are all subjects to forgetfulness of God's faithfulness in the past, laziness to act on the divine promise, and postponing until tomorrow what Jesus is asking of us today. Childlike abandon, abandonment and trust. Friends, whoever has the Son has life now and forever, and so go live it, dare greatly. We have uh, one of our young people, I told you a little bit about her story. Uh, I didn't tell you who it was, but I told you about one of our, our young people who's graduating from college. And I don't know what you were doing when you were graduating from college, but I certainly wasn't where she's at. And she's basically just like, I'm going to spend a year over in the Czech Republic, which is one of the, the places that's like most hostile to Christianity. I'm going to go around on campuses and I'm going to tell people about Jesus. She's going like on this trip. And we as a church are going to get behind her and support her. And we'll talk more about that. Um, but her, her name is Emma. And um, I, I was talking to her the other day and just asking her about it. She's telling me all this. I'm like, are you like scared at all? Like, are you nervous? Like, you're going into this country, like, that's totally hostile to, like, your belief system, and you're trying to tell them the thing that they don't want to hear, you know? Like, how, how's that going to go? And, uh, you know, so, like, but she's telling me this, but I could just see this. She's like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm afraid, but, like, what I saw in her was this sense of confidence. And it reminded me of the scripture that we've talked about, which is this idea that perfect love drives out fear. And so it's not that she didn't have any fear. But God's love in her and this desire to follow Jesus in this way that just kind of defies self-preservation was stronger than the fear that might have been in her. And I could just see that about her. And so uh, super cool, but she's getting ready to head out here at the end of August. And again, I'm going to have her up here at some point to tell a little bit about her story. Uh, but that's what we have to do. And it's easy for us to get stagnant and complacent. So I just want to challenge you to continue to dare uh, greatly again, to continue to step out boldly. And the last thing is this, and it's really the thing that continues to empower us through the rest of it, and that is pray confidently. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. A few weeks ago, I challenged us that pray that God would move you for what moves him. And it's been cool to hear some of those stories from some of you, even in that day as some of you had already kind of felt like God was pushing you out into some unknown territory. And one person told me they felt compelled to start a Bible study in their neighborhood. Another person was talking to me about this big ministry opportunity that just came out of the blue and, and a bunch of other kind of life-altering things. And uh, it's, it, he kind of said to me, I thought it was funny when I prayed that prayer, but literally everything started rolling in last week. And I'm just trying to process it all. Uh, one of the ladies in our church grabbed me after because I just invited her to, to jump into a, a leadership, disciple-making leadership intensive that I'm piloting. And what, I, what she didn't know is that I specifically prayed that God would make the participants evident to me. And what um, I didn't know was that she'd been praying that God would help her in sharing the gospel with the people in her spheres of influence and help her to make disciples. And um, her line to me was, isn't it crazy how just like when you pray the right prayer, like how God shows up? And so I just want to challenge you today as we conclude this series that these things will only go as far as we put them into practice and as, as far as we chase Jesus into them. And so I would just encourage you today to take a step, whatever that looks like, and maybe pray that prayer. God, move me for what moves you.
I'm going to put up here as we just uh, close out with one more song and um, and just a moment of prayer. These are some of the things that have been written over uh, the last several months on our board. Um, and I want us to keep leaning into prayer. I want us to continue to use that board. And we filled it up, which is awesome. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send this out as a digital image. And then I'm going to erase what's there. And we're going to just continue to just uh, just uh, drop our prayers before God on that board, and it's a great way to use that board during our services, come in, come over, or just use that board throughout the week. You want to sit in that corner and pray, or pray for the needs of the people around you. I just want to encourage you to do that. And so uh, we're going to take just a quiet moment or two in prayer, and then we're going to pray, uh, or we're going to sing out one more anthem of prayer here as we close. God, thank you for today. Thank you for just your goodness. Thank you for how you lead us each day. Help us to boldly follow after you. I know it's not easy, and it's got to be more than a feeling, God. So we just ask, God, that you would be our strength, that you would stir something in us. Even if whatever faith we've had maybe has gone dormant a little bit, God, I pray that you would stir something in us, God, that would breathe some new life into whatever seed is there, God. I pray for those that have maybe gotten complacent or maybe those that just need to, God, feel your presence and be reminded, God, of your love for them. I pray that they would sense that today. And God, we just want to continue to proclaim to you, God, both in 